Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ethics in football, we dug ourselves a hole. Is it right or wrong to smash a player's skull? Hey, no easy answers, but there's one thing I know. Now it's time to play that banjo. Football's our favorite, but won't you please take note? We see it's got some problems, we're all in the same boat. Reckoning with football's past, I reckon you better paddle fast. Boys, I think I hear that banjo. Welcome, folks, to Banjo College Football, episode 39. I am not your host, Kevin Paul. Unfortunately, he is not with us tonight. I am uh, the sad substitute, Ross Mulcairn. But joining me tonight, as always, are our wonderful, very welcome and smart guests, uh, Andrew Stevens and Brian Scott Rippey. How are you doing, guys? Good. It's it's a sad day. We had to, we had to put K. It was it was a tough moment, you know, for all of us. But you know, he was he was surrounded by his loved ones, and we were able to hold his hand at the end. So it was, you know, can't win them all. I didn't know he died. I thought this was like a coming of age deal. Y'all didn't show me that part. Oh yeah, oh yeah, killed him, <laughs> killed him, killed him good. He saw he he saw that Bama was only favored by two touchdowns this weekend, and he said goodbye, cruel world. No more, no, no more repeats of 2014s and 2015s. I'm getting out on top. It's tough times. They just need, uh, they need Corral to walk in the stadium with the tan suit like Chad Kelly used to wear in the heat of November, and then it'll really be on. Yeah, we, uh, we, we took KP out like Chad Kelly got escorted off of that Clemson practice field full two. <laughs> or, or out of the Clemson facility when he's told he wasn't the starter, rumor has it. Rumor does have it. Andy Pope in the house, Brad Laverne in the house, Jack Curtin in the house. Thank you all for joining us. Um, Ross, what do we have on the agenda, guys? We have we have uh, royally fucked up. It appears that we have 1.5 entire pages of show notes today, so um, saddle up. We, we, have, we have show notes, and I feel I must address this at the top of the show. Um, I'm sorry that KP can't be here because I know he would love this, but uh, I, Andrew texted me middle of the day Saturday and told me that I was currently 0-2 with my picks and I was staring down an 0-4 start. And confidently, I told him that it was really silly of him to doubt my ability to go 0-6, thinking by tempting fate, I would guarantee that I could not actually go 0-6 with my banjo pick six last week. But you know, if you listener, if you believe in that's yourself, where you're wrong. And you really try with all your might to pick good games. You too 
can go 0 for 6 on Banjo Pick 6 in a single week. It was, that was a tough one. My mom had to ask me what happened. She called me to ask how it's possible that I went 0 and 6 on my Banjo Pick 6. I mean, if we're being completely honest, this is pretty impressive. I mean, like, like it's like kind of one of those kids. Like, do you know those kids that they like they get every single answer wrong on the SATs, but it's like they were intentionally trying to do it. It's like, well, you you had to know every correct answer to know which answer was wrong. So th- this is you, you you may be the smartest one among us, Ross. Also, don't let that like don't let your mom shame you because like if for example like my bookie like saw that by chance he'd be like no that makes sense that's about right. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, Ross, this does mean that you are now uh, you now are contractually obligated to work for a mutual aid organization for free for the rest of the year. I don't make unfortunately I don't make the rules. You know, a a, a there are worse things in this world, honestly. But yeah, that is. Uh, I, I, I honestly did not realize it until I I lobbed that out there and then went among went among uh, my Saturday activities because last week Georgia played a riveting 11 a.m. game and then I kind of I checked out on college football as sort of the day waned. But oh my god, tr- truly truly great work, Ross. Let's get into it. Yeah, I will say besides that, it was a pretty good week for the hosts of this show. You know, Andrew, you mentioned, although your game started at 11, you, Georgia covered in the first quarter against Vanderbilt. That was horrifying to watch. Yeah, I really wish. I, I, I saw it too late. I think the Georgia first half or the first quarter line was like dogs minus 10 or 10 and a half. I wish I would have seen that earlier because I would have. There, there, I come across a couple of bets that I see where it's like, I, you know, if – if you had a little bit more balls and a lot more money, I, I would I would put down like hundreds upon hundreds of dollars on things like this, like actual real amounts of money. Because I see like four or five of them a year, but this one was absolute godforsaken home run. I mean, Georgia was up thirty five to zero with I think I think more than three minutes left in the first quarter. Yeah, I remember a week or two ago, I was looking through lines and I, a bunch of like first quarter lines really caught my attention. And I wish that I had had the, the confidence to like pull through on it. And I was just, I was like, you know what? I've never like picked a first quarter or first half line. So I don't know what, how I would feel about this. And I think they probably would have all paid off, but there are a couple of them out there, like a Georgia Vanderbilt, where they're going to jump out ahead. But, you know, they can't reasonably set, you know, a first quarter line at like 22. So they're they're easy to grab, but you know, I mean, speaking of big lines, like the tide also covered a huge. What was it like forty five? I think against oh, Southern Miss. Oh, thank God! I thought we were telling the story of Ripley and I before the Ole Miss game again. Okay, uh, continue though. No, 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 no. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's safe. No, the the sorry, Ross. What were you saying? Big lines. I was just going to say, you know, KP talked a lot last week about uh, how, you know, the Tide don't cover large lines in these, you know, games against a, a G5 opponent or somebody. And I remember him saying that and thinking that it was sort of outdated that, you know, back the A.J. McCarron days, like or whenever he and I were in school, um, you know, they'd get up by 35 and coast, even though they're favored by 50. And now they don't take the heat off. You know, Jalen Milrow comes in in the fourth quarter and throws a touchdown pass. So like, make the line 50, they'll still hit it. 
Yeah, I uh, the the Bama first half cover streak has been extremely, extremely solid. And this was something that I was talking about on just on Twitter with a couple of people during the Georgia game. What I felt like it, it, it kind of felt like Kirby actually turned a semblance of a corner, not necessarily just in this Vandy game, but I think the I think it really started when he hired Munkin. I think that. Joe Burrow legitimately scarred the man into realizing that scoring seven points was better than holding the ball for seven minutes. Um, I, I don't think anyone had ever actually explicitly told him that until Joe Burrow showed him. Um, but <laughs> after that, I think last year it was just a weird, uh, we talked about this hundreds of times. It feels like on the show, but the Jamie Newman thing and then Stetson Bennett coming in and, uh, JT Daniels' knee lesion and all of that good stuff. And so I think finally once Daniels got healthy, you started to see um, the offense click. And, and my overall point there is that the, the corner that I think Kirby turned was that this is how you get – I mean, Georgia had, Georgia's third-string quarterback played 20 full minutes during this game. And so I think that those are the type of things that, like – Alabama and Ohio State and all of these Oklahoma like the, these extremely year over year elite programs are able to do is because when you have a guy in a third string come in and he's able to get legitimate playing time in seven games in a season that's a lot different than some of these Kirby teams that I mean two years ago they were playing a shitty A&M team and won by six points like they're playing Kentucky close and so like I, I think that if we can actually see this offense move you'll start to see that that machine work a little bit more for Kirby. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's like they, they just got to put the, the foot down and, you know, actually want to win and win by a lot um, and not just sit on people the way Kirby likes to. Because um, that's just the way you win now. Like, it's just, it is what it is. I'll just say, got Sam Pittman out of there, realized we can sling this thing around a little bit. <laughs> Man, those hogs. Those hogs. Uh, do we want to do we want to get into a little covering of of what happened uh, last weekend before we touch on all of the anxieties that are uh, staring our teams in the face on Saturday? Absolutely. Um, I'll start with a fiery well, one. Oh no! Go ahead. Go ahead. No, Rush. Rip, no, no come on from the hip, Rip. No, because I don't have it. I don't. I, I, I have my phone up and I don't know if this is disrupting the show notes, but if we're just going randomly last Saturday, it does turn out if, if you have to replace four or five offensive linemen and you have a quarterback battle against two dudes that seem pedestrian to like the very end, you're probably not going to go 11 and one again. We just kind of accepted A&M was probably going to be good again because their defense, but uh, my God, that was ugly. Yeah, that was pretty tough to watch. I mean, that that was one that I, I could be completely wrong, but I, I just always felt like Dan Mullen and Jimbo have been East and West counterparts, and they're both going to be fine, and they're both going to be, like, competent coaches. Now one has to deal with saving a division and not, but, like, it's just – they're mirrors of each other. They're, like, 9-3 and three and 10-2 and two mirrors of each other, and, and there's just not going – there's been nothing that has shown me over the last – four seasons that anything is going to be different. Jimbo's deal to me seems outdated. Like Mullen is a shit recruiter and has never figured out that like, actually when I get to the best places, I have to get like the best players consistently, which like to your point, they're similar in that sense. But with Jimbo, it's like the arrogance of, well, I did this with Jameis. So I don't have to doubt, but you talk about a sport that's changed more than perhaps any other sport from like a strategic standpoint. 
in the last like seven years, Jimbo doesn't change anything at all. Like the whole like ball control thing, particularly when your line is not great, doesn't really work anymore. Like you, you got to be able to win multiple ways, and he can only win one. Yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of line not working, I mean, I, I was I was wondering how much of that Jimbo era was predicated off of just like like holdovers from from Kevin Sumlin and what he was going to be able to do with offensive line talent. But fucking looking at looking at guys like uh, over at Clemson, it is crazy to see how necessary. I mean, I, I think us at Bama and Georgia have gotten um, a little bit wooed to sleep with how good the offensive line play has been over the last half decade. But you you can't operate a competent offense if you can't win consistently on the offensive line. I mean, Clemson lost NC State. I, I, I don't see any progression from Jimbo there. I, I mean, is there anyone else right now? Um, Oklahoma right now? Like, these are all places that are massively, massively underestimating offensive line play. And, like, that's not the shit that you're going to exactly talk about unless you lose major, major talent to the NFL draft that you start seeing over the first month of college football. Yeah, you're dead on, and their opponent was the antithesis of it. Arkansas is so limited from a skill position standpoint, particularly at quarterback, but the reason they're good is because they absolutely destroy you in the trenches. Yeah, no, no. Go and ahead, Ross. Been, yeah, I was just going to say, like, you see clearly the the line. This is the thing that's been sticking out to me about the Oklahoma team so far this year um, was, you know, Rattler is trying to develop, but they the team feels mostly similar, except they lost Creed Humphrey. And, you know... <laughs> It's, I mean, obviously it can't all be one person, but like that feels so emblematic of all of their problems as they lost this person who was, you know, calling out the protections and everything and, and making these, uh, doing this stuff for them that, you know, Spencer Rattler hasn't grown to that. Like the home team was booing them. Like the student section was booing Spencer Rattler, which is insane to me. But then again, they only yeah. beat West Virginia well, by three. They so, come for you know. quick. Yeah, they, uh, they come for you quick. I mean, I I can't necessarily blame them, but at the same time, I, I I'm not enough of a football mind to to be able to diagnose like what their actual problem is there. Except for, I mean, I think that we all relatively align on the uh, relatively depressed value of running backs, and so I think that a, a little bit comes to to fruition when you see. If you don't have the offensive line play, your offense just kind of doesn't work because then you can't run the ball. If you don't establish the run, you can't really establish the play action. If you don't establish the run or if you're not a pass first team, uh, you got to get the ball out quick. And so I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like we have uh, extremely undervalued how much offensive line play matters in college football. And now that we see some some consistent uh, heavy hitters don't have it. It's becoming more and more apparent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's something that, you know, we've always, like, everyone has always known, but it's not fun to think about. But this is why we pay, you know, these head football coaches millions upon millions of dollars is so that, like, dumbasses like us can just talk about, like, oh, look, that dude runs really fast and throws really hard and that guy can catch really well. And, like, we don't have to think about offensive line play because none of us are smart enough to know. Like I can't look at an offensive line and be like, Oh, that guy clearly did well. That guy clearly fucked up. Like, I mean, I can see if someone gets burned, but you know, we're not smart enough. It doesn't played it, but that's what the coaches are supposed to be able to tell that when we can tell something's wrong, they have really fucked up. 
I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't beat yourself up because I, I, PFF still doesn't know. Like they, they, they I, I think they had one of these past weeks as Oklahoma is one of the best run de- or run offense offensive line units in the country, and it's just I, 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 I don't know how these people like how how these units are being graded, but like th- there has to be some missed analysis between too much game tape and, and, and too much, too many like uh, success rate plays or, or whatever off the offensive line, because uh, I don't know, taking one look at that team, they do not look competent. Kiffin dunked on PFF two weeks ago. Ole Miss ran for a ton of yards against Tulane. And honest to God, I actually thought the offensive line played decent. Well, I've gotten like, you know, it's amazing football. This is probably another tangent for another day, but when you go back and watch a game the second time, like when you know the outcome, you retain so much more about like how shit happened. And like that's coming from someone who was far from an ex's nose junkie. But anyway, I thought they played well too. And then Kiffin was like, they played like shit. And pro football focus graded them as like the third best offensive line in the country that week. And he was basically like, yeah, I don't think they watch film. So, so something's up there. Yeah, I don't know exactly the PFF model. I know some people swear by it in some positions it's good, in some positions it's not, but it doesn't, I never understood it. But I'm not smart enough to say it's bad either. Wait, Rip, can we take a just complete aside and get your thoughts on the Manning cast? I feel like we haven't talked about it yet, and I would, I would love to know. Yeah, so, like, it's almost, you know, like, in the day and age of the internet, like, things get talked up and well so much, like, when you actually, like, try it. Like, if you've read about it on the internet because everyone in the world says it's great and then you watch it, like, you're probably genuinely, like, end up being disappointed. To me, this is one of the few things that lived up to the hype. I think it's great. And it's not even, I think they're good. Like, I think Peyton's, like, TV funny. And I think Eli would actually be, like, funnier if they were both, like, six beers deep because he's a hell of a lot more subtle about it. But it's honestly less like them and more like the format. It's like a podcast with the game going on on the side and as much like shitty games as Monday Night Football can like have at times. I know they've been good for the most part this year. I feel like it's the perfect setting for it and like the laid back part of it where it's just like a podcast with guests hopping on with the game going on the side. Uh, I think it's pretty awesome. It's a nice mix of actually learning shit and like I guess kind of laughing a little. Yeah, and I, I think they've done a good job. I don't know if you guys have watched before, but those uh, coaches' film room broadcasts that they did for the semifinals and championships. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like it's that sort of same deal where you're watching somebody who is clearly smart and not intentionally trying to dumb down the product for the audience, which I feel like you'll bring on some smart people as like a color commentator in a regular game. But it's they they know that if you're watching their game, it's because they just – that you're all in on it um and but they just like clearly care like that's the thing i don't i can't remember any specific ones like when you're watching those coaches film rooms like something will happen and one of those coach just gets like legitimately excited because they see something and they're like oh i know that like hell yeah i'm gonna like i can talk about that i just coached that last week or something like that yeah it's it it really is like one of the that they feel like they're um allowed to make some sort of connection in the real world that like oh ooh, like the the whatchamacallit meme the leonardo dicaprio like pointing at the television um I, it, it felt like a lot of like that it's like oh we've run that before like oh let me tell you about this just like like just a bunch of dudes getting extremely excited to hop up on their soapbox to like tell about a coverage that they installed in some camp in like 1994 
Oh, absolutely. And yes, to, to Andy's credit in the chat, the Manning cast for Ole Miss, Tennessee, I don't know how they haven't announced it yet. I saw something that the Manning cast is not calling every single Monday night game. And I take, I think they're taking a few off the next couple weeks. Um, they need to just announce it next Saturday, Ole Miss, Tennessee. It has to happen. Oh, it would be, it would be really, really cool. I mean, now that's, that's one where you need to get a little, uh, a little ESPN after dark and let them actually let it fly there. I mean, the, uh, Eli let the birds fly on Monday night, so there's not much they can stop with. Dude, that was that such was a boss move where he was like, I'm sure they can blur this out and then did it, like, not having a fucking clue if they could actually blur it out. Like, if you say, like, oh, I'm sure this is fixable and then do something, it doesn't matter if it's actually fixable. That's a power move. He, I mean, like, the, they're not the exact same, but, like, I, I really would like more former athletes that go into media to take, like, the Paul Pierce approach of, like, the moment that whatever I'm doing, as heinous as it, not as heinous, but, like, as funny or absurd or as bad PR as it may be, if it's not convenient for me, I'm out. Like the Paul Pierce is like, okay, fine. You're not cool with me putting uh, strippers and blunts on my Instagram live. I made two hundred million dollars in my career. I don't need this. Like, I, I would really like the Mannings of, to approach this. Of like, y'all need us way more than we need you. Like, we can go sell fucking fishing polos in SEC towns until we die if we actually need to make money. To your Which point, they don't. Yeah, to your point though. On top of that. Isn't this through one of the Manning's production companies? I think I read this the other day. Wait, wait. Do, do you know what it's called? No, I have no idea. Omaha Productions. Oh, so that's Peyton. Okay, I didn't. Oh, yeah. I couldn't, okay, I was supposed to say Elon. I was supposed to say if Elon's getting into the multimedia game, I'd be pretty shocked. Like, I, like they could call that like Bartard Eli Productions. I don't really know, but Eli's in the Frank's Red Hot <laughs> mouth breathing productions. <laughs> Lost in the Sauce Productions. We could go all day on this. <laughs> like, I think you're exactly right, though, and I think they recognize that. That's why – so I read also that Peyton didn't want to do Brady games. That was part of the negotiation. And when, No, excuse me, not for this one. For when he was – everyone was trying to get him to come do their, like, normal booth as the, uh, you know, analyst or uh, commentator or whatever. And I think that they've taken that approach with this, where it's like, you need us more than we need you, so we're going to do it our way. And I think ESPN catered to it, which is not a bad thing. And I think that's probably why it's been successful. What I- yeah, and, you know, if, if Peyton is part of the production and all that stuff, then Eli can do whatever he wants because they're not going to bench him. Like, ESPN can't call him and be like, hey, we, we need, you need to replace Eli Manning on the Manning cast. It's like, that's not going to happen. He can get whatever, he can get away with whatever he wants. Oh, God. We got to call Cooper. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Aren't Peyton and Cooper doing like a trivia show or something as well? I wouldn't shock me. I bumped into I bumped into Cooper. He must live right by me. I've seen him at, at uh, a, a local bar twice now um, over like the last probably year, 15 months. And so I, I think he lives near my neighborhood. The ironic part about Cooper – is like everyone's like you know the like I guess like the cliched story is like man poor him he didn't really turn to be the football player is there anyone that doesn't know who Cooper Manning is like the fact that he like acts like he's unknown is like not he but it's act like he's unknown at all he's like as known as the other two in terms of name rate if you watch football at all and he never played football like outside of college Dude, he 
and he got hit in the head a lot. I was about to say, he, he lives the world's greatest life. Like, Peyton, after watching these broadcasts, he brings up his fucking neck surgery all the time. Like, that thing has to be miserable. Cooper has all of the connections, is probably more New Orleans-specific royalty than any of the other ones just because he's around here all of the time. Makes in in exorbitant amount of money doing whatever real estate holdings or inevitably shady business dealings that he's doing with New Orleans old money. And he just, I don't know, walks around and has uh, the best football. His son is the best football player in the country. And so he's going to go on a bunch of recruiting visits and get to live this entire thing through another generation. Like if I'm not kidding, top to bottom, give me one life. Give me Cooper's. Yeah, and honestly, wouldn't it be kind of awesome if he did like the Leo Lewis style approach to Archer's recruiting? Like, they don't need a dime, and I know NILs now, but like, could he find just like every rule to break or just make these coaches sweat? It's like, I want this, this, and this. It's like, why is this fucking guy asking for this? He doesn't need any of this. Oh, that what? I mean, well, rich I people mean, love doing dog shit just, just to, to see what they get, just to see what they can get away with. <laughs> yeah. Well, Andrew, if you're his neighbor, is that are you the person I have to talk to about about Archer's recruitment? Uh, yes, all all communication. Please actually forward all communication to compliance at olmiss.edu. <laughs> Otherwise, don't just slander don't, Manning. Don't him. just slander slander these kids. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to take yeah. us on that uh, that uh, very large foreheaded soliloquy. But um, we can we can get this back onto what well, week was it last week? Week four. It was week four last week. I will, are there any other games that you uh, feel strongly about, Andrew? That you want to talk about? Um, no, I still think Notre Dame's frauds. Um, I just, I, I don't really care. Um, I don't really care about them. Um, due to our friends at the Bosco's Boys, I have really taken a a very strong interest in what uh, the Kansas State Wildcats do this year. Um, shout out to Grant and Scott, but the. Uh, they were three and zero and actually playing pretty well. And then Skylar Thompson, their quarterback, got hurt, and they went into Oklahoma State with a third stringer, and they didn't play. They, they actually played horrible and lost thirty-one to twenty. And so I am, if Thompson was warming up last week and didn't play, and so if he's actually healthy against Oklahoma, I'm I'm interested to see that game. Okay, so I missed I missed that game. That must have been what it was because I remember I looked at that line and I thought K State should have been favored going into it. I thought they looked good, and I didn't understand why Oklahoma State was favored by six. And I tried to tell myself, you know, I remember someone mentioned this once, and I don't remember who it was, but that you know, if a line makes absolutely no sense to you, if it's so far off of what you think it should be, chances are Vegas knows more than you do, and you're not getting the deal of a lifetime. You're dumb. Um, mm-hmm. and, but I, and I told myself, I saw that and I was like, shit, I should look at Oklahoma state. They must know more than I do. Cause I think they should be favored. Like not even, not at all. Like, I think they should be favorite. It goes off by like 12 points and, uh, Vegas was right. Oklahoma state won by 11. Then went, uh, was one, one solid step on my March to zero and six. Yeah, I've 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 started to use a little gambling trick that has been like I mean it's nothing revelatory here but like would you be more surprised like give yourself 5 points on either side of it and what would you be more surprised of and so if that game was like plus 6 it's like what's more likely Kansas State plus 1 or Oklahoma or, or Kansas State plus 11 um and so I, I that doesn't necessarily apply here but yeah De Vegas definitely knew something that I think the the general betting public didn't there 
Yeah. Oh, I have. I, oh, go ahead, Ross. No, please, Brett, please go ahead. No, finish your thought because I was going about to derail things. I'll, I'll wait to derail things. No, no, no. Derail. I'm, I'm kind of done with. I'm kind of done with last week. Where it, it's look ahead time. It's Hogs Week. Oh yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> I have a halfway spicy Brian Kelly take to throw at the people. Now, what'd you? What? Yeah. What did yeah. you? Oh, so please. Andrew, what did you call Notre Dame? I don't necessarily think they're any good either. You think they're kind of fraudulent? Yeah, I, I think they're frauds. But isn't it there? Isn't it halfway because they kind of keep winning these games? Like they were six point underdogs to Wisconsin, and I get it was thirty-one point fourth quarter. Like that game was not like the score was not like indicative of it. But other than a couple like kind of shit showings in the playoff, like I, they've been pretty good in terms of, like regular season games. Like they don't really like shit the bed on the road a lot like other programs do, and they win like some pretty huge home games. I know Clemson had a backup quarterback last year when they went and played them, but that was still a pretty big win in a weird year. But at the same time, I don't think they're that good. And if you go through their talent, good, dating back to 2015, and I actually stopped going back then. Like then, they've had one recruiting class inside the top ten and had two touch ten. You could actually go all the way back to 2013. And I'm just not sure, like Notre Dame's the actual job draw in terms of like talent pool and a couple other things. I don't know what Brian Kelly makes, but like. Why would he not be a USC candidate? Why is Notre Dame still that job? Is it just because it's Notre Dame? Because they don't recruit in the top five every year. He's had more classes outside the top 15 than he's had in the top 10 in the last decade. Like, what if he goes to a place that just absolutely recruits itself? Because the guy's a pretty good coach. That's my rant. I, so this makes me so angry, but I figured this out this week and it really pissed me off. I think. Notre Dame has become, and Brian Kelly specifically, has become like post-2010 Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints. Like, they're not really flashy. Maybe maybe a little further than that for the Saints. Call it post-2014 when Breeze's arm kind of started to decline. But it's a team that just does all of the little things right, and they have just figured out and perfected how to win the ugly game and the road game. And, like, this is a team where I would imagine if I weren't a just, again, brain-cancer-addled Saints fan that I would look at the Saints and be like, that is a team that has a lot of smoke every year. They win a lot of games, but they don't really do anything. I mean, the Saints team has won um, 37 games over the last three NFL like regular seasons and has two playoff wins to show for it. And so like, I I look at both of them similarly where it's like Notre Dame is now boring. They've reached that like so good that they're boring category, but I sort of mean fraudulent in the way of like, this is another Notre Dame team that is knocking on the, like that top tier. Like every single time I feel like we're here, Notre Dame is sitting there as like the best team in tier two of college football. But because of the way that their schedule breaks and they'll get a bad like like USC being down or all of these like traditional rivals that they end up playing, they rack up these wins. And then we end up looking at them at the end of the season and saying like, all right, you're undefeated. But what do we have here? I think it's also possible, like, you know, Notre Dame has this effect on, you know, people of a, of a certain age that it's this, you know, dream job and all the stuff, all the stuff that they say. And uh, like was, I think last week, Brian Kelly became the winningest head coach in Notre Dame history. I'm sure he realized probably within the last 
four years that that was that was within reach for him and he probably wasn't going to get fired before that happened. So I would imagine that's the kind of thing that like, you know, Newt Rockney and all that stuff. Like those are the names that people know in the history of college football. So I wouldn't be too surprised if his idea of, you know, sticking around and, and making his mark is just sort of running up the score at Notre Dame, even if he can never win the national title there. Um, because that, you know, matters to him. And to be fair, the man is 60, which isn't that old, but like he may not want to take on the challenge of taking some other school like USC and teaching them how to recruit again and, and get a functional program again. Cause it's probably not going to take one year. It'll probably take three years to get him up there. And at that point he's 63 and you know, some coaches can coach forever, but not everyone wants to. Why would this not work? And I get, I'm not suggesting this would happen because I know there's cultural and all kinds of things that come with it, but for just a sheer recruits itself perspective, why would he not just fucking murder it at LSU? Oh, he would kill it. There's no really, way you can't have a top eight. They kiss, like you, you, you would finish in the top 10 in recruiting every year. If you never showed up to a guy's door, like he could, he wouldn't have anything outside the top 10. Yeah, man. Oh man. He would be good there. I, I, I don't know. I, at this point, why you would leave makes no sense to me because I, I think the things that like, the things that he has lacked at you, like you can still be an elite recruiter at Notre Dame. I think like, I, I think that there is still like getting into the trenches and like, and I know your, your recruiting battle is a lot more national than it is like, lo- like focused down to a particular region. Like if you go to Baton Rouge, all you have to do is put a fence up around the state and you're good. But I, I still don't think that like, I, if I were him, I would be perfectly comfortable with the results that I was returning and not have to go in somewhere else and then like recalibrate that set of expectations. Because you go to Baton Rouge, they're going to fucking, I mean, I think this team is probably closer to seven and five or eight and four, but like they're going to fire O for effectively not being good enough. And there's a guy who's won a national championship. I just really wouldn't want to go in somewhere where like you have to win 30 games in your first three seasons or like people are, are calling. It's also possible that, you know, he ends up that like, there could be a little bit of a Moorhead problem with him at Ellis, like specifically when it comes to LSU in that, like the man's from Massachusetts and he's coached in Michigan and Ohio and Indiana. Like I don't have no doubt that he could do it, but you know, he may not want to find out whether or not he might have some, you know, culture clash issue if he tries to take over Louisiana. Man, that would be. I mean, yeah, you you gotta well, yeah you gotta if, you gotta live in Louisiana. Fire o, you gotta live in Louisiana. Right you have to find out. Yeah. Oh, well, one one hundred percent. And you know what? I'm I'm sure they're both represented by Jimmy Sexton, so can't be too big of a problem. Exactly. I'd love to know what his bottom line is. Sexton's. Like, what does he actually make? Because my gut, yeah. Oh God, I don't. I mean, what is what is the standard rate now? Four or five percent. So, so yeah, it's almost even less that like if you put any percentage inside like seven, like seven or less, I would just be more interested in the amount of people he represents. Well, I mean, the the we got to be able to find I just want to run through this before we get into week five, Jimmy six and client list. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
Talk about now. Here's now. Here's something. I didn't realize how many people he represented outside of like the college football coaching world. He represented Philip Rivers, Shaka Smart, what Scotty Pippen, Isaac Bruce, Reggie White. Dude, his net worth thirty one million dollars. Whoa, that seems. Low? Yeah. <laughs> I was also going to say that seems low. Wait, since when Since when does he work for CAA? That's his deal. He pretty much, if he didn't start it, like that, that's his shit now. Like he kind of represents who he wants and CAA kind of handles the rest. That's why they have much more of a pro sports operation than you would think. Yeah. When did they, when did they get him? I thought he was like independent prior to that. I don't know how that worked, but aren't they both out of Memphis? Uh, did let's see. He's been at the agency since 2011. Interesting. Interesting. Um, no, dude, he has okay. an insane an insane amount. Wait, is this him? CA uh, According to Wikipedia, he represents 11 of the 14 S. Kingmaker, dude. Can we get a doc on Can we get a doc on him? I mean, he like he is he not the most powerful man in college football? No kidding. It, is is Saban? He is. I mean, he represents Saban. He knows not only does he know everything about Saban, he knows everything about everyone else. And not that the 11 out of 14 coaches is misleading, but you know at least two of the other three are like Shane Beamer and Clark Lee, to where they're not like big time enough to like warrant his attention. And and seven NFL coaches. Yeah, I just love looking at the articles where they talk about one Sexton client going out for another one coming in. December seventh, twenty seventeen. Sexton client Hugh Freeze let go in July, and Sexton client Matt Luke replaces him on an interim basis. Like what? Well, the the craziest one was there was the the what national championship was it where it was the first one where he represented both. It must have been was it Jimbo Saban? No, Jimbo didn't. Was it Jimbo Malzahn? Was it twenty thirteen? Might have been. Might've that been. would make um, sense because he negotiated the Malzahn A and M deal. If that shocks anyone, no, not none. What I mean, he has Sam Darnold, Julio Jones, Laramie Tunsil, Derrick Henry, Philip Rivers, Daniel Jones, Jason Witten, and Dominican Sue. What the fuck? That's insane. Yeah, I, I need I, – I would – I take it back. Uh, Andrew, uh, I'm going to have a refute. Uh, your Cooper Manning pick was wrong. I'm going with Jimmy Sexton as the life I want to live. Ah, look at him, though. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. You go be Jimmy Sexton. I'll be Cooper. <laughs> I'll see you. I'll see you inevitably when, when uh, you sign my son. Hell, I'll sign you for when you're on TV, and I'll take some of your money. Uh, that is that is actually probably true. I'm I'm sure they do business together at some point. I'll represent you as the uh, managing producer of Omaha Productions. I love that. Um, do we want to uh, do we want to get into our picks this week as a preview for how we want to do the damn thing? Yeah, I'll, I'll do. Yep. I, I think. Although before we get into picks, I have a question for you guys. Yes. This week, in the AP poll, we have three matchups between top 12 teams. We've got Georgia against Arkansas. We've got I hate that. I hate Alabama that. Ole Miss and Cincinnati Notre Dame. 
if that happened, if, I mean, obviously we're going to have at least three top 12 teams lose. Does that put us at a head start for a blood week? Or are those too no. close so it doesn't count? No. I mean, here's the thing. They're, they're blood weeks if they're actually upsets. Like if Georgia and Bama both lose this week, oh, yeah, that is makings for a blood. Mostly because it's too – like I more look at like lines. Like when people were saying like – they were like Kansas State loses to o- Oklahoma State uh, – Kansas State's 25 and they drop out. It's like, yeah, but they were six-point dogs. Like, I, I, I really more look at, like, who on the betting side. So if if the number one and number two team both lose as 15 and – or 14 and a half and 18 and a half or whatever point favorites, then I, I think that is absolutely the the makings for at least the start of a blood week. Last week would have what, – what you really need, I think you need the combination of two things because you'll always have a couple of teams end up falling. I think the two primary things are you need a, a major team to lose in some sort of an upset, even if it is like one of these two. Like even if it is to another ranked team, you need like a major – one like a top five team who is a at least 10 point favorite to lose and then you need like a ranked team or a major fbs team lose to like an fcs team or so like like you need an auburn losing to georgia state which is why had oklahoma and auburn held on or, or ended up losing last week it would have been week four blood week cemented in stone and if you're talking about just blood for the entire sure. carnage of the sport, we've talked about this on our Sunday show with uh, the recruiting guy I do the podcast with. And like, if Ole Miss is, if Ole Miss beating Alabama this weekend would be kind of a win for the people in terms of college football, I'm not so sure they could do it. But if Alabama loses to Ole Miss, who's good? Who's your four? They guaranteed right now in the college football playoff in a sport where 20 of the 28 like total bids have been acquired by the same four teams. If Alabama just happens to lose to Ole Miss, just to like put it out there, who's good? Like who you put in the four other than Georgia? I mean, I'll I'll, I'll say this: if Iowa waxes Maryland, then Iowa, they're at least good. And and that's twenty four fourteen against Colorado State, Iowa too. But exactly. I agree. I, and, and and I mean, and then I think the the other answer is is the winner of the Cincy game, the Cincy Notre Dame game. Which probably uh, speaks to the weirdness more than anything because the yeah yeah non power five guy could like couldn't sniff the playoff and now they're probably the favorite. I mean, it really is insane. This you probably also have to take into account Oregon in all of this. But the best four team, I, I mean, the best three or four teams in the country are probably Oregon. The or, or the best five teams in the country are probably. Oregon, Iowa, and then the winner of Cincy Notre Dame, the winner of Arkansas, Georgia, and the winner of Alabama Ole Miss. Not saying that if if Bama and Georgia lose that they're not probably in the top five, but I, I mean in terms of like how it would actually shake up, I think that's how the top five looks. I just can't believe this rampant deacon disrespect from you, Andrew, right now. Not even on my radar yet. Not even undefeated best team in the ACC, Wake Forest Demon Deacon. Have yet to watch a snap. Have yet to watch a (laughs) snap. I just can't, dude. Looking uh, at the ACC schedule, seeing that their number 24 Wake Forest is set to play number 23 NC State and then number 25 Clemson just warms my heart. Well, like, 
it's, our, bro- they beat, our broken ACC friends. They beat Clemson last week, but I watched NC State not really compete for three and a half quarters against Mississippi State, who might finish last in the West. I just don't get it. I don't understand. It's probably just a weird matchup, but I, nothing about that makes sense. I don't understand anything about college football. And the uh, and I'm going to say this, and I said I wasn't going to say it, and we're going to fucking lose because of it. But the only thing that looks normal right now is that Georgia looks very good. Like it, it, it that is the the sicko in me coming out. But like we did not have our top five pass catchers against Clemson, and so we literally had an entire game plan to say, let's try and win this game by scoring fifteen points. By the way, Ross picked the over in the Georgia Clemson game. Um, but since then, since then, with players starting to get healthy, like this offense can fucking rip. And so. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm 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 still prepared for us to lose to Alabama. Alabama is still actually good. Um, I don't think they're going to lose to Ole Miss this weekend. But in the world where they actually do, um, I mean, I, I don't see in the world where Ole Miss beats Bama this weekend. Show me Ole Miss Ole Miss's two SEC losses uh, after that. Yeah, you just tapped into the whole my sick of thing. I don't necessarily think Ole Miss. Yeah. We'll do it. Arkansas, Arkansas fourth and 25 again. Yeah, like I don't think Ole Miss will do it per se, but I think there's a path, uh, particularly with the way the offense has played. And if the defense gets, you know, two stops a half, like who is Ole Miss losing to, Alabama included, it's a matter if they can actually stop anyone on Alabama's offense. But to your point, again, it's a big if. But, like, just say that did happen. Again, who who would – if Ole Miss did beat this version of the Alabama team, who are they losing to the rest of the way? They get A&M at home. They get LSU at home. And their road games left are Auburn, Tennessee, and State. And I've watched those teams, and they those stink. teams aren't beaten. I wouldn't put money on those teams beating this current Ole Miss, and that's while they're currently, what, down 18 points to, or getting 15 points to Alabama right now? It, yeah, it's it set up for a weird year. But I'd say that even if Alabama, like, wins and kind of runs the table, like, that game against Georgia is actually, like, I think people would perceive that differently and Alabama's like lack of chance to just roll through the playoff differently as well, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Well, yeah. I think it is it is time for the uh, the banjo pick six. Now, uh, should we? how should we do this? Should we start with the tallest first? Uh, yeah, well, let's run through since uh, – <laughs> well, well, let's run through the deceased first. Oh yes, our 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 beloved fallen yes. hero. Yes, well, since K, since KP is in heaven right now, he's technically the tallest. He's he's all the way all the way up there, four hundred twenty feet in the air, or whatever. Um, all right, so KP has. Um, I'll, I'll just run through all six of them, and then we can we can pick out the the tasty morsels of what we want to dive into. He's got Wisconsin minus one versus Michigan. He has A and M minus seven versus Mississippi State. He has the Cincy Notre Dame under of 51. He has Stanford plus eight against Oregon. He has Cal minus seven and a half versus Wazoo. And the sickoest of all sicko bowls, the over in Yukon Vandy. That's fucking gross, KP. Get that off my screen. Which which should be clarified. The over is fifty. Over, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, over a fifty-two, not over of nine. That is that is higher than the over under in Cincinnati Notre Dame. 
Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I, usually in those games, I would say when you have bad offense, bad defense versus bad offense, bad defense, I, I, I feel like the bad defenses are going to prevail. It's, I will say, I don't know. to his credit, there were a couple of games he picked that I looked really hard at. I, I had my eye on that Stanford-Oregon game and the a and Mississippi State game for a while. Um, and as we all know, based on last week, when I think it was two or three of Andrew's picks that I liked and decided to not take it the last second, they all went through and none of mine did. So those are guaranteed to cash because I didn't take them. Um, yeah, Ross, which which one? I have this Oregon game in here, but I'm not going to tell you which side I'm thinking. Which side are you thinking? Um, no, I was I was actually <laughs> looking at looking at taking the Stanford side. Oh, this is great news. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. Uh, I think yeah, I think Oregon's good, but there's I think Stanford might have a little something going on there. Um, since I have some some rollover, do do any of y'all have any thoughts on that Wisconsin Michigan game before I'll I'll, I'll get it in mind? No, <laughs> thank, I don't have thank, a single thought thank, on Wisconsin Michigan. Thank God, thank God. Okay, so I have um on Friday night is <laughs> Iowa Maryland, and so I have Iowa minus. Um, three and a half. Ross has been, I mean, he's been really trying to get Turtle Tunga Vailoa going. And so I just feel like I got to, I just got to throw him a bone there. Um, I did hit last week on Maryland minus 14 against Kent State. So your boy is stayed at at least three and three every week. I'm pretty excited. Um, I have Ole Miss plus 15 um, because I got it at 15 slash I am a cheating bastard and I'm not going to take it at 14. Um, I think that more than anything, I think it'll probably stay about a two-score game the entire time. But I think Ole Miss's offense is good enough to where instead of Bama usually getting that throat stepping on turnover or or turnover on downs or whatever and then punching it in to take like a 10-point game to like a – 17 point game. I, I think that this is where Ole Miss is probably down in between 10 and 15 points all game and then maybe ends up putting up a late touchdown um, in some garbage time to, to make it look a little bit closer so we could have like a, I don't know, 35 31 type game or something like that. Um, third, I'm going to take, uh, thank God, prayers up. Ross is on the other side of this one. I'm going to be taking Oregon um, minus eight. Um, Oregon's playing Stanford. I just have not seen anything from Stanford. Uh, the The only teams that they have beaten this year, uh, or the only team they beat this year outside of a USC with their coach at, on death's door was Vanderbilt. And so um, I think that, albeit while Oregon looked uh, a little bit um, a little bit shaky for a while against Arizona last week, um, they probably have one of, I mean, they easily have a top four resume right now. Um, I mean, the Fresno is their, their closest game and Fresno looks to be pretty good. Although Fresno almost lost a crazy game this week. Um, and so I, I think that, that Oregon is definitively one of the best four teams in the country as it currently stands. Uh, fourth. So I saw this stat this week. Um, this is going to be Probably my most confident pick. It's going to be Coastal Carolina minus 34 and a half. Um, and Coastal Carolina is second in the country 
in uh, yards per play margin at plus more than plus three and a half, only behind Georgia at plus 3.6. They are playing uh, UL Monroe this weekend, who is currently 129th in the FBS in yards per play margin at minus three. And so um, this is one of the better teams, I think, in uh, this might be the best group of five team. And maybe the worst group of five team. Um, and so I think that five touchdowns isn't too crazy. Baylor, I have at plus three and a half um, on the same stat. Baylor was also fourth here at um, plus almost plus three entire yards per play margin. Um, they're playing Oklahoma State, who I think, like I said earlier, um, is riding high off of beating a Kansas State team who wasn't fully healthy. And then I'm going to take Cincinnati plus two and a half. Um, again, Notre Dame frauds. I like what Luke Fickle and them are doing. So I'm going to ride with C again. If I was a true bastard, I would take Cincinnati plus three, but I like y'all a little bit. So I'm going to go two and a half. All right. What y'all got? Oh, two random rebuttals. Name ULM's offensive coordinator. Oh God. Their head coach. is Yes. About the it. offensive coordinator is one rich Rodriguez. Um, oh yeah! Oh then, my God! I was I was about to say where where is Phil Longo now? <laughs> you would see the uh, the only other thing I'd add to that was uh, in 2011, UConn played in the Fiesta Bowl with the eight and five record under Randy Edsel. I just want to put that out there on the record. Wait, who is this? UConn 2010 Fiesta Bowl. We're in it against Oklahoma. Eight oh, and five yes. record. Randy Edsel was the head coach. That happened. Oh yeah, they got rocked. I didn't have anything else. To add. I just wanted that on the record. Go ahead, Ross. Do any 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 yeah, thoughts I, about that was, those games since Ross it doesn't look like you have any uh any overlaps or no, or I, I have no overlaps although I I those were those are some interesting games I was um that Coastal Carolina pick is bold I have no idea what to expect with that big of a line I I, I don't either I I'm, I'm pretty stupid up, but, but you know I don't know about five touchdowns. I'm with um, you on the Ole Miss-Alabama thing just from the standpoint of I'm not sure if Ole Miss has the horses defensively to win the game per se, but I think they're more than dynamic enough offensively to stay within 10 points the entire time, and I think the way they actually threaten to, like, holy shit, they might win this, is the defense, like, either forces an early turnover or looks a hell of a lot better, for, I guess, as good as advertising, it's actually real. So I'm with you on the 15 as well. I didn't realize and the over-under hit 80. Oh, I think it opened. I saw it. At, I saw it at it, seventy-nine. It hit but, eighty yeah. today. Yeah, I did. It's oh my I, god! That game's going to be wild. I mean, fifteen was the margin last year, and I think both teams are a little better defensively, so it may not finish sixty-three forty-eight like it did last year. But like, I just have no. I, I think that game is. I think Alabama is going to win between by between ten and eighteen points, but I don't know where in that margin it's going to happen. So I'm not confident enough to pick that, and I also. I had a, a stats teacher in high school once tell me that if you're ever going to bet on sports, only bet on games you don't care about. If you start betting with your heart, you're screwed. So I will I will not be touching that. I've, ne- I've never. Line. I oh, Ole Miss was the 123rd ranked defense last year, and this year so far they're like 51st. Like that was yeah, the worst defense better. in the last decade. Alabama scored on eight of eight drives in the second half. They're all touchdowns. I think they had like three third downs. Yeah, I only uh, I only bet against Georgia. Like I put I put seventy dollars uh, at Clemson money line um, for the the Georgia Clemson game, and I paid I paid seventy bucks to watch Georgia win. Which do it 
every week of the year. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, so so my six, uh, I got Texas minus five against TCU. Uh, I know TCU's looked all right this year, but I, I I think Texas is better than what they showed against Arkansas. I think Arkansas is good, and Texas just wasn't ready for it. Um, I have UCF minus 16 and a half against Navy. I know service academies like to slow down games, so it's hard to cover a big line, but I think Navy is bad. Um, and I don't know. I think it's going to happen. I think I think a, two touchdowns and a, and a field goal can, can cover that one. Um, I also have, in speaking of, uh, you know, things that I hate and I'm upset with myself that I picked this, I have Auburn plus three and a half at LSU. I know that game is kicking off at nine o'clock Eastern or eight o'clock local time, um, in, in Baton Rouge. But, uh, I do reserve the right to withdraw this pick if Bo Nix is playing. If he's playing, I'm not, I'm taking this back and I'm going to replace it with something else. I, I, I do not have enough character to stand by that. Um, I have Pitt minus three and a half at Georgia Tech. Um, I don't know. Just I don't think Georgia Tech's all the way there yet, even though they looked pretty good last week. Uh, Florida minus eight and a half at Kentucky. Andrew, to your point about the five points either side, I'd feel more confident about Florida minus 13 and a half than Florida minus three and a half. It makes more sense. So I'm going to take Florida. And then I have Purdue minus two and a half versus Minnesota. I don't think either team is very good right now, but Minnesota looked pretty for real broken last week. And if you get beat by Bowling Green, I am going to bet against you the next week. That's just how it's going to happen. Rip, will we uh, take us home here? I Ross, I'm, I'm, I'm just done picking against LSU publicly on Twitter. Uh, none of them care enough to actually get in here and listen to the show. And so I can talk all the shit uh, that I want on here. But the moment that I throw it out on Twitter, I got people in my mentions and I don't need to be having that. So, yeah, I'm I, even though TJ Finley um, is starting this weekend, I'm also taking Auburn plus three and a half with you. Yeah, I'll take, you know, or even, did I say starting people, in even, even though they're not starting <laughs> TJ Finley, which is insane. True. Insane. No, what, they're not. They're starting. Oh. I was pretty, did, uh, unless something has come out, I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw yesterday that at the press conference, they said Bo was the starter or he was listed uh, on the top of the depth chart. Okay. Well, I, I did say in advance that if Bo Nix is starting, I'm changing that. Oh, okay. Well, um, all right, I missed that. Sorry. Yeah. Then, uh, well, I'm I'm still uh, I'm still taking Auburn plus three and a half. Um, I'm just not a hundred percent convinced that uh, that LSU has got it this year. Um, but sorry. Well, I've got I've got Auburn plus three and a half in my my uh, my backup pick, my safety pick, my seventh in case anything happens. Is I'll take the under on Cincinnati Notre Dame. But I don't feel as confident okay. about that as I do about Auburn, unless Bo Nix starts. Although, you know, this could be the year. It's having a lot of fun. Oh, what a disgusting slate of games. I'm still trying to, like, yeah. make it through all of this. There's potential for just – who said Blood Week? I think that's I – mean, so, check my bank account. That's what's going to happen. Rip, I'll give, you some, uh, I'll give you some time here. Uh, we've got a pick from the – a lock 
from the chat. One Jack Curtin says Michigan plus one is his lock um, because he wholeheartedly, I think, is a sicko and thinks they will go into the Ohio State game undefeated and uh, pull a Kevin spilling the chili from the office and lose by four scores is what he says. So um, I, you know what, in in pure college football comedy, Jack, I do I do hope that would happen. One Andy Pope is riding on Kentucky plus eight and a half, Iowa minus three and a half, and Miami. I'm going to assume University of uh, in Coral Gables, not Ohio. Um, who is Miami playing this week? Let's see. Oh, Virginia. That on on Thursday. Virginia. Night. That's right. Very interesting. Oh, I kind of like that pick. Uh, Miami is playing Central Michigan this week. No, no, no. UVA. We're, we're not talking about the Red Hawks of Miami from. Oxford, oh, Miami. oh, oh, oh. The 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 the, the aforementioned uh, number one in our hearts. The yeah, the, the real, real you. you. Um. Okay. I'm. This is about to get so gross. I'm about to just piss people off. I hope someone spikes their phone after listening to this. First off, we're going. Uh, Boston College plus fifteen at Clemson. Uh, I think Boston College is actually good. Hell yeah. Um, what's that? I know they lost the quarterback in the season opener, but with Clemson stinking, like I don't understand like why you couldn't make a case for a school that's kind of complete as Boston College, uh, actually kind of making a run at whatever the fuck division they're in. I don't even know a division they're in the ACC. I've just seen ten of the other teams Clemson or Clemson or non Clemson. Yeah, exactly. I'm not even sure it matters this year. Uh, I love plus 15 there. This might be dog centric until I'll go to the most disgusting favorite all the time. We'll get to that momentarily. Um, I think with my other one, oh, I'm on Ole Miss plus 15. I don't need to rehash that. I kind of kind of made my case there. I don't know if that's you know, ever a game necessarily in terms of it being like, holy shit, there's four minutes left. Let's see who wins. But I do think Ole Miss has too much offense to not be uh, within 15 points. And then for my next one, I think um, – oh, A&M minus seven. I just spent all podcasts dumping on them. But, uh, yeah, I think State's horrendous. Um, I wanted to go Auburn plus three and a half, but for the sake of being different, I will pass on that one. And instead, I will go Arkansas plus 18 and a half and continue with dog's pick. I think Georgia wins the game fairly comfortably. Uh, as Andrew mentioned earlier, uh, offense getting a lot more healthy, but I'm done doubting Arkansas. I don't. I think they stink offensively and are kind of limited, but, man, they play great defense. So that's four, right? I got two more. Two more. Fire them off, baby. Um, ooh, I'm going to go. Well, I have one that's in the chamber that's probably just going to uh, just be kind of a, a ticking time bomb, perfect place to end the podcast. So the other one, I will go – what's that Arkansas-Georgia under? My site doesn't have that up yet. Let me – I'll find it. I'll go Iowa minus three and a half. I think they're much more talented than uh, Maryland – and I don't think it'll be pretty, but I will never feel more confident about them winning by 10 and no more than 15. So I think that's how that's going to play out. Last one, Vandy, minus 15. Fucking book it. They've beaten uh, someone. I've seen it happen, and that's why I'm going with the doors. That is true. They beat a, they beat a, a Division One team as or a, an FBS team as well. So That is correct. In a game that counted. So they won. Yeah. So lay them. They want it. They want it. God, they ruined. I was in an SEC survivor pool and with probably 150 people and at least 100 of them had were riding with Vandy week one because it was the only winnable game people saw. And after that, it was fuck this. So I'm sure there are a bunch of people uh, about to take my money over there. 
Um, anything else we got? I can't even I can't even begin to think about this sickos bowl. Um, I I'm I'm excited to delve into that next week, but I. I, I I can't I can't spare a single thought on what is going to be the worst recorded game in college football history. I hope there's a ton of safeties. I hope there's like four. I just can't wait to watch it. <laughs> you want the game to end eight yeah. six four safety versus three. Yeah. Safety. I, can't, I, mean, I could be oh. like I could be down for a, a shitty shootout. I would just like a footnote in the game story. Just be like, by the way they were. Yeah, either be like eleven to two or like fifty-seven thirty-nine. I just want it to be insane. I really want. After I saw uh, the Dolphins pull it off this past weekend, I want them to do a completed forward pass for a safety. Maybe this is the game where we get the one. Yes, that's like that, you, thank God uh, you said that. Yeah, like what if what if what if Vandy won like four to one. I need a one pointer followed by like a challenge because whoever's interim UConn just doesn't believe that's in the. Yeah, <laughs> it'll pay me enough for this shit. Red flag. All right, folks. I think that is uh that is where the train comes to a stop here. This is KP is already dead. Uh, after this weekend, this may at least one of Rippy or Ross will be dead, and if Sam Pittman. Whomps us, then I will be dead. So the very good chance Banjo 39 is the last time you ever hear any of us talk. Is that all we got? That's all we got. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you all next week. You just got Banjo, bitch. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.